This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's the gorgeous Erica Cobb, co-host of Daily Blast Live. We've actually never met, but we have a best friend in common. One of my best friends is one of her best friends. So I've been following her. I love how outspoken she is, how real she is. I want to talk to her about her comeback story. She hosts a podcast called Comeback. So I assume that there's a story there and she's so good at just manifesting what she wants, her career. She manifests as a couple with her husband. I need to know how to do that. Here's my episode with Erica Cobb. Hi. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I feel like I know you. Uh, I said in the intro, we have (laughs) a best friend in common. One of my best friends is one of your best friends, but we never met. And I feel like I should take this opportunity to apologize for the time that I threw a baby shower for that friend on a Monday night. (laughs) And you you couldn't make it (laughs) because it was a Monday night. Yo, not only it was like, um, could I get like, could I fly (laughs) in? And then it was like during sweep. So I'm like, girl, I can't leave. I saw an opportunity and I jumped on it. She doesn't want to shower. She wants like a happy hour. I was like, okay, I can do it. Found this perfect like rooftop bar and they close at like three on Mondays. So they're like, if you do it on a Monday, you can have the whole rooftop to yourself. And I was like, book it. And then she's like, well, one of my best friends can't come because she lives in Denver and it's a Monday night baby shower. And I was like, well, well my bad. <laughs> like, wasn't my intention, but I, I jumped on the deal, Erica. <laughs> hey, I no worries. No worries at all. Yeah, I was going to give you kudos to uh, even getting her to do anything. The first baby shower was literally us shopping at HomeGoods. <laughs> She's like my ride or die. And I just can't wait to meet you in person. I, I've been following you since she alerted me of you. You have a podcast called Comeback. And you say everyone is deserving of the comeback they're willing to earn. It spoke to me. I've certainly had a comeback. And I assume if you have a podcast called Comeback that you have had a comeback of your own. And I wanted to start there. What happened? Yeah. So um, I mean, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years, but, um, you know, I was going through a period in my life where I was being forced to get really real about what was real. Mm. And as a result of that, um, I ended up losing my job. Um, I went through a bankruptcy and I went through a divorce like simultaneously. Whoa. And yeah, it was like very much in threes when it rains, it pours. And I had nothing. This is 10 years ago. Yeah. So I was, I was 31, about 31, 32 around that time where most of the things were going on. And, uh, yeah. So essentially what I realized, because I did a lot of troubleshooting, um, Mm -hmm. during that time, cause I'm like, you know, if it would have just been the job, that would be one thing, but when it's everything, (laughs) then it, probably means that you're not living your life right. And what I discovered, uh, what fundamentally was an issue for me was I was trying to put out this version of myself, um, i.e. social media and social media came later for me because when I first started my career in radio, um, there wasn't social media really. I mean, my space, but it wasn't like it was now. And I essentially had this life that I was leading in the public that did not match what my life was truly like in private. And when those two things converge, 
and you have to make real life decisions, you have to be really honest about who you are, where you are and where you're going. And that's what that forced me to do was to strip back the layers and start building my foundation more stably, which meant that I had to start from the beginning. And you think that that wouldn't have happened had you not had those three things happen all at once or you would have just kept going. Exactly. Because it's so much easier and it feels it's easier. I say that with a grain of salt because it's easier just to keep doing what you're doing in some capacity. The devil that you know is always going to be more comfortable than the devil that you don't know. Mm -hmm. But when I ended up being honest with myself, I became honest with the people who were looking up to me, the people who were following me. And it turned out that I had a lot more in common um, with people than I initially thought. Yeah. And I don't know how deep you want to go. Like, (laughs) what did you find when you went inward What was it that you were almost like hiding? If you were putting out something that wasn't you, what was the you that you felt you couldn't show people? Well, I really felt, um, especially when I first started out in media, there was kind of this push for me to be this girl that I wasn't really, you know, like when I started out in morning radio, um, I had been doing radio at that point since I was, 20, like 19, 20 years old. So when I got my first big job in radio, it's 24 years old. And, um, I was actually engaged at the time and they really hired me to be like the girl about town, the single girl. So Uh, I lied about being engaged or being in a relationship at all because I was this quote persona. mm -hmm. And because that was like a, Um, very much encouraged thing to do at that time was to not be very forthcoming with what the truth was in your life. (laughs) Perfect. Um, You know, we live in the age of transparency now. So people sniff that out. But before, you know, morning radio, morning zoo, it was all about the persona. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. honest about where I was in my life in terms of relationships. Um, I was kind of putting out there that I was living a lifestyle that I truly could not afford. Um, You know, there were things that I didn't want people to know about me. Like, for instance, when I first started out in radio, people didn't even know I was black. Wow. So it was, it's, it's such a strange situation for me now being so transparent with everything and actually physically being seen on television and leaning into who I am in order to make those connections, because I realized that I was starting to hide myself. And when you hide yourself for any reason, there comes this level of shame. And so I became ashamed of, you know, what I was doing or who I was. And the truth was, I just wasn't happy with who I was. I wasn't happy in my marriage. Um, I knew my husband wasn't happy at the time either. And we were trying to like, just get through it when really the only reasonable answer at that point, because we were such different people when we got very real and we were going in very different directions. And the only answer to that was to split. And that's what we did. Do you think it had anything to do with like the success you were seeing in your career that he almost like resented or was it just, it happened to be at the same time that your career was taking off, that the marriage was, there wasn't a coincidence. So at that time, my career was on the decline. 
Like Ah. I didn't even know if I was going to continue in media because I couldn't find a home for myself. Like Mm -hmm. um, I, I was one of those people that when I started out in my career, because I had known since I was 12 years old that I was going to be a morning radio girl, um, I started hitting the ground running in college. So my freshman year is when I actually got my internship and I pretty much lived at radio stations my entire college experience. So when I graduated and I got my first job, it was the number one show on the top three markets. Like I ended up straight exactly where I I wanted to be. So when I was 12, I said, I'm going to have this job. And when I was 24, that's exactly the job I started out with. You manifested it. (laughs) Yeah. So there was only a couple of places I could have gone, like either New York or LA Mm -hmm. um, in order to grow. And that didn't happen. So I kind of had a career set back in a way. Only because you had the biggest job you could ever get first. That's why it was. Okay. I see. Exactly. Exactly. So by the time that everything fell apart, it really fell apart too, because I was trying to settle in all aspects of my life. Like being like, okay, you know, I'm in Denver and everyone, not everyone, but there was this, um, this feeling of don't talk about being from Chicago and being on this radio station. Like I, every radio station I ever went to after Chicago told me not to talk about what my life was before because it would come across as I was, I thought I was better than. So there was like this constant and like, I, it, I was told that so many times that I truly believed that it was true. So I do feel like there was this aspect of settling and not that I was better than the opportunity. I very much went into the opportunity feeling like there's something else for me to learn outside of what I already learned. But I did feel like I was settling because people were so clear that they didn't want to know the totality of who I was. But did you also think like, this is your first job? Like you're, this is just how it is. Like, this is, if you're hearing this, you're like, oh, this is what you do. It'll be fine. Like everybody tells you to do this. And then when you find a job that doesn't tell you to do that, you're like, wait a minute, like maybe this isn't <laughs> like what you do. And right. the, I would just think if it was my first job, like, okay, like that. And then you go to the next job and they tell you not to talk about it. Well, this is what you do in radio. You don't, you don't talk about where you're from. You don't talk about your true self. And this is just how it is. But right. when you find a place that, is like be you and that's where you thrive and shine. And I wonder too, you said there wasn't social media. Like you obviously have like an amazing following now, like what it would have been when you were not being yourself, because I feel like the, the following that you have accumulated is because you are your authentic self and people relate to that and see themselves in you and would want to hang out with you in real life. And that's why you have that following. I wonder had there been social media, what your following would have looked like when you were just like that shell that wasn't you. Well, I mean, I, I pretty much know because, you know, I didn't get an opportunity to be myself and have people encourage me to do that until very recently, you know, um, my opportunity with daily blasts live has only been, we're in the fifth season. So it's really been in the past, like five years that I've had an opportunity to be myself and the exponential growth because I did have social media, you know, when Instagram started, I, I started, I wasn't even on the air when I, I started my, uh, my Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty steady, you know, in terms of what my following was. And even when I booked TBL, I think I might've had, um, a couple thousand and, um, but they were very much 
like loyal followers, yeah. you know, there's yeah. a difference. So yeah, I have seen that in real time, um, how just that change has made true connections. Yeah. We're going to get into the career reinvention, but what would you say that you learned uh, from your first marriage? Oh man, my <laughs> first marriage. That is such a great question. You know, I married a man who was such a good person. Like he was a very kind person and no one would say anything bad about him. And I knew that I needed uh, that type of love. Like I needed that type of acceptance from mm -hmm. someone. And that worked for us for a very long time because we loved each other so deeply. That being said, I did, I had no sense of who I was. Yes. When we, first got together. I had just turned 22 and, um, you know, some people that works because you grow together, like there's a plan, but because he didn't really have a sense of who he was either. We didn't realize that eventually when we figured that out, that that was going to be the catalyst for separation so that we could go our separate ways respectfully, because it was very much amicable and respectful. So I think he really taught me how to be vulnerable in love, mm -hmm. which was something that I didn't have experience with before. Everything that you just said there, except for I was 24 when I met my husband instead of 22. Like I met my husband in the height of his career. He was a pro bowl linebacker and in the public eye and just like the most handsome, charismatic, everybody loved him. I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. I was just coming off of my eating disorder mess. Like I wasn't physically abusing my body anymore, but it had basically was dealing with no self-worth before I started dating a professional athlete, which then people were coming up to the table and women would like, yeah, I wish you had a shot or something that you could take. Girl. And then they would approach the table and I would be just in my head and all these things. Like he was obviously like, he was the man. I had no self-esteem. Uh, we dated for 10 years before we got married. And I said, I'm going to be a stay at home mom. Erica wasn't a bait and switch. Everything in my mind was like, I can't wait to be a mom. I'm just going to be a stay at home mom. And it's still weird to say it out loud. I wasn't fulfilled. I, it wasn't enough. And I feel like he kind of feels like I was like, you know, you, I want to be a stay at home mom. And now you're, now you have this brand and you have this career, but something fell into my lap and this podcast was offered to me and I love what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm giving back and I have purpose and I changed my mind. I grew mm -hmm. and that wasn't the plan. And it's a little bit of, of a conflict right now because I get what he's saying. I didn't, I didn't see this coming. So he yeah. wasn't able to plan for it. He's been retired since 2009. And it was just like, he's retired. I'm going to take care of the kids. Like I said, that's, that's not what's happening anymore. And yeah. there, I don't know. I changed my mind when you were like, I was growing and I, I, I didn't know who I was at 24. I was like, I put my hands up. Yeah. I was like, I was a baby. And, and I, mm. I did think that that's what I wanted, but I, if I didn't have this, I have a six-year-old and a three and a half year old. Mm -hmm. And I, I love being a mom. It's not like I don't want to be a mom. I'm not trying to like give the kids back. I'm right. saying that if I didn't have this, I wouldn't be fulfilled. And I feel like moms aren't supposed to say that out loud, but something creative to like connect with people and put out in the world. And especially like the stuff I'm doing with eating disorder recovery. I feel like mm -hmm. this is what I'm supposed to do, even though it wasn't planned for So, um, what are your thoughts there? <laughs> I'm just going to sit yeah, my you drink. Know, I, th this is, <laughs> 
honestly, I, I really appreciate your transparency just in general, but especially on this topic, because, you know, I'm 41. I don't have any kids mm-hmm. and it's something that I do know that I want to be a mom someday. Now, a lot of people are like, eh, your time's up. No, <laughs> Janet Jackson, I mean, Halle Berry, like, no, exactly. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not concerned about it, but it, it kind of shows you the mentality that we grew up on, you yes. know, like there, you have to choose. Yes. And what I'm seeing now is like, you know, I, when I first, um, you know, really started my path, especially I was the first one of my friends to get married, which was a shocker. Um, and then my friends started getting married and they immediately started having kids Mm -hmm. and everyone was like, why aren't you having kids? Like people called me selfish. And I was like, listen, one, I come from a family. Okay. No, you go. No, I'm just like, I hate that question because I, my sister gets that all the time. You have no idea what someone's dealing with for you to say, why aren't you having kids? Like, what if you'd been trying for three years and it's like something that's a very touchy. I hate that question because like, what if you were dealing with something like that? And it was like a, okay, sorry. That was my face. No, I mean, yes. And we talk about that now, but that used to be like just regular table conversation. Everybody felt comfortable in your uterus, right? (laughs) Right Right up in there. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, what ended up happening was probably about, I would say five to seven years ago, a lot of my friends, some people or people I just knew who said those things to me were saying very much the opposite, like, Erica, I understand why you put your career first. And these are moms. And I'm like, well, you know, and I said the same thing, like, well, you can't get the babies back. Like, you know, it's everything. You can have both. It's just going to come, you know, in a different time in a different way. But that narrative switched so much because we are not just a single thing able to do like one thing at a time. And if we put all of our eggs into though, like one specific basket, then eventually like the basket is going to start to unravel because we're going stir crazy inside this one thing, whether that's career or being a mom, you know? Yes. I just had Melissa Bernstein on my show. She, um, Melissa and Doug toys. I don't know if you're like, she created this brand and then she suffered with like existential depression. Like she said, she was just questioning, like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what the point of this is. And I had her on to talk about that. And we got into this whole thing. She said she had six kids and I was like, you had six kids to raise while you were building like the brand. It's like the biggest toy brand ever. And she was like, no apologies. She's like, I had help. I got nannies. And I was like, didn't you, I feel the guilt. I think first, because I said I wasn't going to do this, but secondly, I never wanted them to feel like for a second, like even saying literally one second, one second, I'm going to finish this because in my mind, and I think it's societal pressure. If my kid needs something, hold on guest, I'm going to go get my kid. And I'm not going to say one second. And she was like, no, you show them that this is important. And what mommy's doing is very important. And like, you never, you say it's just as important. And I was like, Oh, and I said, Mm -hmm. I never wanted them to think it was more important. She goes, not more, but just as important. And they need to know that, that what you're doing has worth. And what would you, would you want your daughter to wait to uh, grow up and not have a job and all these things? And I was like, yeah, I guess like I'm trying to like, keep it from them. Like, no, yeah. you're the most important thing. Like I mommy's just working. It's just work. But I was like, I love what I do. And I feel like I almost have to like 
dumb it down to my husband and my kids like, Oh, I'm just doing my little show mm -hmm. because that's what you're supposed to do as a mom. Cause you're a mom first. And she was like, absolutely not. Um, yeah. if you can afford to have help, which we can, the reason I don't have help is because of the guilt and shame I feel about Girl. me being home. I know. I know. It's crazy. I hear myself. It's so stupid because people would get help no, if they could. That's stupid. Oh, that's real. That's real because you have been shamed in every way. Okay. Like you were the 24 year old woman who met your husband, who had his thing going on. And yeah. then you had to listen to every Tom, Dick and Harry say something about it and speculate why you're together. Yes, ma'am. All of the reasons uh -huh. like you. So now you are proactively circumventing all of the things that people could possibly say, because, okay. So so now you don't have time to take care of the kids. Isn't that what do you, what else do you have to do? Get out you of my brain. <laughs> How do you yo, know that all of that is in there? <laughs> yo, I know. No, I know. I know. And like, people will be like, do you think that about other moms? And I'm like, oh my God, absolutely not. And she's like, then right. why do you judge yourself? Like go easy on yourself. I'm so worried about my perception because I know Friends of mine who go to work nine to five, leave the house, come home, make dinner, take care of their kids, don't have a nanny, don't have a cook. And so if I do, it's like, I'm like coming up short, like they're killing it. I have, I got through the day with all my help. I have all this noise that like, I have like strong woman like you like on and tell me not to do that. And I am like fired up for an hour. And then I'm just like, feel like my husband's looking at me. Like, what, like, I don't know, like, I want this to be, something and I'm putting everything into it, but I feel like I have to, like I said, dumb it down. Like my little, uh, no, it's not your little anything. You don't have any little anything like, no, first of all, people really need to understand that. Like, you know, your brand, your podcast, this is not a hobby. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a hobby. This is something that you are building in the same way that your husband built what he built. Mm. You're just building in different seasons. And when I first started my brand in 2016, and it was just, it was come back with Erica Cobb. All I was doing was shooting videos of what I was thinking in the moment. I would post each week on YouTube. That lasted for about a year when I decided that I was going to switch direction. But why did I switch direction? Because doing that consistently every week for a year, I started out not working. I had remarried. I was literally like following. <laughs> yeah. We're going to touch on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But in 52 weeks, I went from not having a job to landing my dream job. And all the only content I had was based on that 52 weeks. Like, this it. is not a hobby. This is a lifestyle. Goosebumps. I think it's because it came out of nowhere. Like, I... I don't know why I say I have a comeback is like I peaked in high school. <laughs> like I, had, I was like homecoming queen, prom queen, captain mm -hmm. of the soccer team. I was like the girl in high school. And I felt like I had a lot to live up to. So mm -hmm. no, I don't want anybody to know about all my eating disorder shit that I was dealing with. I was all these things. So I had to like be those things. So then I went into depression. I played college soccer, fell into depression, battled bulimia for 10 years, kind of coming like crawling out of the bulimia. And then yeah. I meet my husband. Like I was, I saw him, I saw a picture of him. And I was like, I had to sign something when I worked at they're the commanders. Now at <laughs> this time they were the Redskins. Um, mm -hmm. but I had to sign something. And I was like, I got like this broadcasting position 
basically like a um, PA and I was like working my way up, but I was like, who would be stupid enough to talk to one of these players when they're, I have this job in TV. So I like sign it. And then like, I see a picture of him and I was like, like that one is going to be a prop. Like, and then I'm like, I totally will admit I'm like NFL. He probably has like a bunch of kids, like all these girls around. So I'd be like, hanging out with the old lady at the front desk who loved him. And I'd be like, uh, Hey, is he, is he married? She's like, no. I was like, does he have any kids? No. And I was like, okay. So then like he started showing interest and we dated for a year and then I quit because I remember vividly he had, he got an interception in a game and I'm in the press box and you're not allowed to like react and ran it in for a touchdown. And I'm like, no one had a clue we were dating. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. So the next week I was in the player's lot with his family, with his Jersey on and everybody was like, what the hell? But I was like the, the cheerleader, like his, his girlfriend. And we dated for 10 years while he was the star athlete. And I just was going to be a mom. And then just recently, Erica, like I, well, I wrote my book, um, to talk about reinventing yourself and like, uh, just because you're 40 or you have kids doesn't mean like it's too late to like find fitness and all these things. And I shared my story and it was, it was a little bit of a following, but when the pandemic hit, I started going live on Instagram, like out of necessity. And I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do every day with a two and a four year old? And then I was like, pour a cocktail every Thursday, we're going to drink margaritas and we're going to share what to do with the kids. And like, people would be like scavenger hunt. And I'm like, this is good. And it was just me. And then I like, I started having guests and I started getting like real housewives to join me and do live talk show, Instagram live for my little following. And you have, yeah. you never know who's watching and right. a radio station in DC, the program director was watching every week. And she called me and was like, we want this to be a show. And they sent me the equipment. They promote it. They produce, I don't know how to do a podcast. I just, I talk to people send it off. They do it. But when she called and was like, we want this to be a show, I took it. And I think yeah. I have guilt because it wasn't like, oh, babe, like have this opportunity. I was like, no, yes, I accept. And I feel like he's like, well, you have a show now. And you just said you were going to be a stay at home. And I'm like, you're right. I did. Like, <laughs> I can't, I changed my mind, Erica. And like, I said that at 24 to. and now I'm 40. I know you're allowed to, but like, I feel like he feels like not like duped. Cause I know he, I never saw this coming. How could anybody see this coming, but I love it. And I'm yeah. thriving in it. I'm not going to stop doing it. So of, what am I supposed to do with that here? But here's the thing. It's like, even if you had sought this out, like why, mm. even if you had, why would that be wrong? You know, I mean, I like, honestly, why would it be wrong? Because ultimately like, you are someone who has a story to tell mm -hmm. and the problem with, and this is something, I don't know how spiritual you are, but I, you know, I yeah. do like get my readings and all of that. And I actually know that when my teeth start hurting, like I start grinding my teeth or I have inner ear pain, it's because I'm not speaking, like I'm not speaking my truth. And anytime that happens, I'm like, what am I really you know, there's there's always going to be some type of symptom of not being in your truth. <laughs> I sleep with a night guard <laughs> because I have grinded down my teeth so much. That is insane. And I was gonna say, I better get spiritual because I'm speaking with Gabby Bernstein in Nashville in April. Like she's obviously the headliner and I'm like an opening act, but like, That's awesome. I need to learn how to manifest. I, I read her first book, but like, I feel like I kind of manifested something. Like I, I always did want to do something. I didn't know what it was. 
So maybe not telling him that I think I have the noise that like, I could have never seen it coming, but of course I wanted more for my life, but I just didn't think it would happen. So I was like, totally content being a mom. And I love being a mom. I feel like I always have to say that because society has made it that if you're not being a mom and talking about being a mom in that moment, you're not a good mom. So I love my kids. I want, I'm a mom. I love being a mom, but I was not fulfilled. And I think a lot, what else Melissa Bernstein said, um, it's, uh, your kids are external. She's like, so if you're all of your validation is like, I'm a mom, that's not, you need something for you. And that like sets your soul on fire and all these things. Like you can be content being a mom, but like your validation, the only validation you're getting is being a mom. And it's like your kids leave. And then there's nothing like you have to invest in you. And she like pumped me all up. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I start talking to the next person and I'm like, I said that I didn't want to do this. And now I'm doing this. And I don't know why I'm, I don't know. Like I would never judge someone else for the, like, for right, but doing what I did. The thing though, Aaron, and I can understand why you and Nicole are so close because <laughs> you, <laughs> we're nuts. <laughs> we're no, nuts. no. It's because <laughs> you both have been in positions where you are constantly being um, kind of bullied into hiding. It's like you, you, there's this thing. And I mean, this is something you're not allowed to say it. So I'll just say it for you. Awesome. And if I'm overstepping, then you can't, you, I'm couldn't. you, you could me. not, but especially when you are living the life, like yeah. when people are looking at you, they see your life with this, with such perfection, like all the things that people want, right? You have the adoring, beautiful husband. You have the beautiful marriage. You have the children. You have a beautiful home. You get what you go seek to, to receive, right? So there's this constant element of people always questioning, well, who does she think she is? Ooh. And you're trying people, you want people to see who you truly are on the inside. So you think by hiding all of the things that make you so special and are actually the magnets that are gravitating all of these things to you, you think if you temper that, then that's going to make people see you for who you truly are. But these are people who are committed to misunderstanding you regardless. So that yeah. for committed that reason, to, I love that <laughs> they're committed to misunderstanding. Me. It's it's a commitment. It's yeah. a commitment. And it, it might come from a lot of different things. And I know we aren't supposed to say like the J word, like jealousy. Um, we're not supposed to say that, but there is a, a thing there. And for me, like, and I always tell people like, there's nothing wrong with jealousy. I can't, I think it's Glennis who says um, jealousy is the thing that tells you that you're moving in the right direction. So mm -hmm. anytime I feel that green coming in my soul, like, well, why did they get that? I'm like, <laughs> right. damn, I need to work for that. Like, yeah. Duh. But most people don't think like that. Most people are just like, okay, not another thing. What else could you possibly want? Is if there's some type of a, quota limit. that you've already filled. <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry. You've maxed out of uh, yeah. positive. I look at it. The, I'm like, I spent 10 years of my life hunched over a toilet every night. Like I had no self-worth to finally, I feel like I want to talk to you about this too. I feel like I'm peaking now in my forties in like yeah. my twenties and thirties. I was a hot mess with no self-worth. It didn't matter what people saw. Like I was on my husband's arm, but 
if another woman came up to the table that night, it was over. Like I was like, he wants to be with her. She's skinnier. She's like, I, I had no confidence and I finally got my shit together at 37 after having two kids. And I am so committed to sharing that story and inspiring a woman that is feeling like I did in my twenties and thirties. Like it's not too late. It doesn't matter if you're a mom now and it's not about you. You can find this confidence. So it's like, I don't want to temper it. Like I, I, my brand and my message is like reclaim it. And like, you know, like it is a comeback and you can have one too. And if anybody is thinking like, Oh, another thing, like I had 20 years from 16 to 36 hot mess, like no confidence. I don't know what people saw, but I've just honestly no self-worth. And I don't know where that came from. Um, but I battled eating disorders and depression. And now I'm finally finding like this happiness and want to like inspire other women to do that. So if there's any sort of like, not another thing for her, like I've done my time in this, in the sadness. Right. <laughs> I've done right. it. Like, sometimes, you know, it's easier to say that when it's coming at you than to feel it just because you might need to feel it that day. But yeah. also you asked me a question about, you know, my husband, like if he was threatened or felt uncomfortable and I can say this, like in my marriage, um, my, my marriage, like I just call it my marriage. Cause I feel weird being like my marriage now or my second marriage, but, <laughs> but this is my marriage. Right. Um, yes, my husband and marriage. I, who Nicole introduced us, mm -hmm. um, we were very, very clear that we were going to be partners in both of what we had set out to do. Like we both knew what our, our passions and everything was going to be. I told him, from jump. Like mm. I am going to kill this media game. I'm coming back with the vengeance. Yes. And he was like, yes, do it. He said what he wanted to do. And I think there are times now where I am just not that he says something or does something, but I just want to reassure him that I still need him. And sometimes with Ooh. men and women too. I mean, we all feel need to be needed, but I think with men, especially because you're talking about how your husband met you, yeah, <laughs> that the roles are might be reversing in a way where you're really coming into your own, and then there's a, might be a question there of, well, this is how my functionality was in Aaron's life. So does that change? what my function is, does that change the way that she needs love from me or needs attention from me? And that can come off as resentment sometimes. So I always make a point of letting my husband know that like, you know, and I tell him, I'm like, he is the leader of this household. I know that's not super feminist <laughs> today, but I'm saying it because I it, do a it works. Daily, <laughs> yes, I do a daily talk show. Okay. <laughs> I am the most, you know, like loudest person, like on daytime talk shows. Okay. <laughs> like I'm saying everything I need to say, I don't want to come home and lead. Okay. I don't <laughs> right. want to, this is a choice. I want to know that the lights are still on and he did it. I want to yeah. know that everything, you know, like, so yes, he is the leader. And I let him know, like, baby, you lead, mm -hmm. you lead especially with finances. You don't want the girl who had a bankruptcy trying to manage the finances. <laughs> you stay in your lane. <laughs> like this is my exactly. lane. Exactly. Like we not got going, not veering into the finance lane. Right. I, I don't do that enough. Was his. I don't need to. Yeah, I, I got it. I, 
another thing like the roles when you're talking about like my husband grew up in the South in a black home, a strong black woman made all the decisions, dinner on the table every night, couldn't go to the plays during the day because she was at work. And that is what a mom does. And his dad, if his, he talks about his dad would come home, take the remote. The daddy does what he wants. And the mom does all everything else. And those roles are so set for him. I will never live up to what mama Tina shout out to mama Tina. I love you, mama Tina. I love my (laughs) mother-in-law, but I'm not, I can't, I'm never going to be able to uh, live up to his expectation of the wife and mom role. So anything that's not the same and my lifestyle is a hundred percent. Like I'm not, I mean, I'm trying to grow this thing, but I'm not paying the bills. He is. And I, I'm very appreciative of that, but like our lifestyle is set up. We've been together, Erica, for almost 17 years. Like I love the man. That's beautiful. Beautiful beautiful. Sundays. You can't pick and choose. It went better when I was, I know it went better when I was just on the sidelines. And now when I'm, growing and thriving and finding purpose, it's like, it's putting more on his plate. So it is, it's a little bit inconvenient to him. Cause he's like, I mean, we didn't but sign up for this. It's putting more on his plate because you will not acknowledge <laughs> that you both, both of y'all actually won't acknowledge that you could use some help. See, that's the thing. It's like, It's almost like when people are like, no, I am not going to go to the hospital because God (laughs) is going to heal me. And you're like, bruh, God created doctors for you to go to the hospital to get fixed. That's why God also created situations where it's like you. Okay, I won't say God created nannies because I know people will come for me, (laughs) but I'm just saying God. my nanny was sent from God. I am just well, hey, I did it for five years and I do. can tell you God created me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> but you're not, you're not tapping into the resources. It's like, I used to get into this uh, argument with my husband because for the first year that we were married, I was auditioning and I wasn't working full time. I was working from home. And so I was doing everything, you know, I'm like cooking, cleaning, doing laundry, like anything that needs to be done. I was doing it. But then when I started working full time and I'm literally at the studio 10, 11 hours a day, I cannot do that. Therefore, that's when we that was the first time that we hired someone to come in once or twice a week to clean our place. That's because that's the lifestyle that we if we chose a lifestyle that was someone was always home, that might be something different. But now I'm working and now you're working not only for your happiness, because nobody's happy if mama's not happy. Right. But also there is this whole portfolio of work that you are capable of doing who don't like money, but he's like, Like, he's like, you don't need to. It's his whole thing is like, you don't need to work. Why are you doing that? He doesn't understand that. And I said, you're really not going to like me because he tells me to get help. But I feel my friends don't have help and they do all the things. (laughs) You're just going to sip your tea. I know Girl. he says, get help. Do you get more points for doing it's, it all yourself? Like it's, it's me taking on this show and this brand, everything that comes with it, booking the guests and making sure they have a show every week. If I'm going to take that on, nothing else can drop. Cause like, I can do this. I can still be a mom. If I'm going to take it on, I shouldn't have to bring again. Should, this is me. No one's saying this except me. And I'm mm-hmm. cognizant of that. 
I have to just add it on and not let anything else drop. And everything is dropping. (laughs) I'm falling down the stairs and, but they're getting their shows and the show is, it's charting now. And I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I feel like if I could just have some time to grow this, then it would monetize. Then I could show him more, but I don't have the time to do that because I have a three-year-old that thinks he's a T-Rex who comes in during interviews. And then I have to like manage it. And he's downstairs playing a video game. And he's like, not on board. Like you said, with your husband's like, Here, this is what I'm doing. And we're on board with this together. It's like, I'm trying in spite of him <laughs> to build this thing that he's like, you don't need to do this, but I do need to do this for me. Mm. That's where we're at. You didn't know you signed up for a therapy session. Did you Aaron? Real talk, real talk. How long have you been doing this podcast? Almost two years. Okay. I got it in 2020, September of 2020. No, a year and a half. Okay. So you are getting to a point where you've been picked up. Yeah. Like this stuff goes from zero to a hundred, literally overnight. What you are doing, I'm, I'm being totally honest with you mm-hmm. is you're setting yourself up for failure because it's not as though this is going to be a gradual change. This is going to happen. Like when your brand deals, your sponsorships, all of those things start happening. That means that everything gets expedited. There is absolutely no reason for someone who has resource to be trying to do all of this stuff on your own. It's actually kind of a slap in the face to people who don't. And this is the reason why. Mm. If you are not taking advantage and and doing things in order to make sure that you are set up, you're set up correctly to be the best mother that you want to be, the best wife that you want to be, and the best host that you want to be, mm-hmm. then you aren't giving 100% to anything. Absolutely. Like, exactly. I've had my brand for six years. And when you're talking about booking a host, like uh, going through copy, making sure that you're prepared for your or booking guests, making sure you're prepared for said, said guests, getting all of your elements where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. that is going to quickly become a full-time job. You do not have time for that. Do you have any idea how many people I have working for me at this point? No, nine. I didn't. Nine, I nine <laughs> people. I don't have any. Nine. I'm doing all those things that you said for two years. Like, yes, I'm going to edit this and get it, it out tomorrow years. and then talk to I, my person that's going to come in on Monday and get that one out. And then like my son comes home at one. But I felt like, oh, no. wow, no. I feel like we need to say this, that we have help. I'm just like, how are you doing this? No, nine, nine people. I just sent out my uh, 1099s. Okay. No, because this is, that's why I'm saying, like, you're saying, you know, I have my little, no, this is not little. This is legit. I was going to say, I have sponsors. I I went out and got them myself. I like, I tagged them and enough things that now I have tequila sponsors and a water sponsor. And I, yeah. And then it's like taking on the weight. Yes. Of no, having solid, like fire guests. So they're like, who did you talk? Now I can be like, I had Erica Cobb. Thank you. Like, I don't want to let them down. So I have to get like, my guests have to be up there for my sponsors. And there's like all this pressure for the show that I don't want to let down the radio station. And it's like, but I want it to see where it will, I want to grow it. And I, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, but yeah, if I had help yeah. and it was off his plate, 
that would, it would work, but it's like, then I won't get my medal. <laughs> no, yeah, you actually do get the medal. That's actually when you do get the medal because you're doing it. Cause here's the thing. Like now you also are treading into this water where it's like, you have some real competition. Like people are, are making this their entire life. You're a creator. Yeah. Like people are doing far better creating than they're doing in their nine to fives yeah. in a lot of instances. Yeah. But that requires a team. And if you don't have a team, girl, you are going to break down. I don't have a team. I'm concerned. I'm being all the way 100. I'm concerned. You cannot. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm girl. booking the guests. I'm researching the guests. And on top of it, it's National Eating Disorder Week. And today is National Margarita Day. So basically, I'm in high demand this week because it's like all my roles are colliding. I am booking myself. Like if Fox 5 in D.C., I was on there yesterday. They're calling. I have to fill out my talking points for myself. I'm, I'm pitching myself and, and a guest for my show on top of it. And then like making mac and cheese. Like, <laughs> it's all going to just, you're going to read Here, about me. I'm going to just here's fall the out. difference. I'm, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to allow you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you right now. Okay. I'm going to allow you to continue to call it your little podcast. If you don't get help. Because if uh, you don't get help, it will continue to be a little podcast for you. You're right. Oh, yes. Life coaching by Erica. Goff. <laughs> Add it to the resume. I know. Girl. I called in on a, I was on a pretty big radio show the other day. And the guy, I was like, he's like, hello. And I was like, hi. He's like, is this Aaron? And I was like, yeah. He's like, Oh, I, I was so used to, I'm like, I thought your producer would tell me I have this many minutes with you. I was like, Oh no, I'm not famous. Like I'm not, I called him myself because I, I don't look like, I don't, he was like, Oh my gosh. Oh, I was thinking you're, somebody would call in for you. And I'm like, Nope. <laughs> like, I do. <laughs> and he was probably like, what the hell? Like get a helper. Yeah. But the yeah, noise and manager, you need the whole thing. Like you gotta, you have to treat, if you want this to be a I business. I do you want this to be your brand. You have to give it the respect that it deserves. It honestly, I would, if I wasn't, if my kids weren't young, like if my kids were more, I feel like at this point in their life, I need to, six and three, like I should be taking care of them, but I'm not going to be like, Oh, you want the show? We want to give you a show on podcast one. Could you get back to me in like two to three years when my kids are a little bit more potty no, trained? And, exactly. Girl, no. So I took no, it, no, no, but no, now no, I'm no, like, no, you are looking at this all wrong. Yeah. If you had help, you would have more time yeah. with your kids. But then the medal, I don't get my mom medal, my no, working you, mom medal. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Girl. Because I made it better for everyone. Right. Right. Because right. how, how much time realistically are you spending booking, researching, doing all this stuff? That's stuff that can be delegated. This I is know. called the delegation nation. OK, we need to delegate okay. because <laughs> what you think is like, oh, I'm getting bigger. So I have less time. Yeah. You're getting bigger. You're delegating. You have more time and you become better at what it is that your gift is. And I always have these, these conversations with my friends who are like, oh, I edit my own podcast. Oh, I edit my own video. That's me. I edit. I edit. <laughs> and everybody's me. so excited about <laughs> editing. And I don't know if it's like, because I come from an editing background and I'm like, you don't after do it. 20 years of editing, <laughs> I don't want to edit anything anymore. So I delegate my editing. And the reason why I delegate my editing is because 
I am not an editor. Mm. I am a talk a host. show host. Yeah. And in order for me to be the best talk show host I can be and not be tired from being up till midnight, one o'clock in the morning editing, I give that to someone who it's their job to and edit. they love it. Yeah. And they edit. And you know what? They edit it better than I could because that's what they do. Mm. I like it. This is a fabulous segue into the only other thing I want to talk to you about because I'm looking at the time. <laughs> the confidence and the just self-awareness and self-love. Black girl magic. I see like my my husband has four sisters. Mm-hmm. They can't even like relate to my uh, depression and my body, my all my eating disorders. They are so confident and so I, I don't I don't know how to. First of all, I'm raising a mixed daughter who I want to be the most confident, never, ever have a minute of eating disorder noise. We're not going to have a scale in the house, but I'm her mother. <laughs> like you, you got a little taste of my anxiety and my all over the place and not being completely self assured. How is it like a cultural black women? I just envy how self assured i never see somebody has an eating disorder, like this magic swag and self-assurance that I want my daughter to have. But again, I'm her mom. Just how you're like, I'm a host. I'm all these things. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I just have this little podcast. Like, how do I get that? <laughs> I need the magic. Here's the thing. I have always said, you know, for me, it was much easier when everyone was telling me what I couldn't be, what I was not, mm-hmm. because that's how I grew up. You know, that's how I came of age. I was not, um, a, a beautiful girl. I was not a smart. Lies. I was not, no. you know, like people were constantly very clear on these messages, but my mother and my grandmother were always telling me things to combat the noise because they understood what I was experiencing, especially when I went from living in an all black community to a predominantly white community. Mm -hmm. Um, I was constantly getting that message in one way or another. And it was my mother who was very much like, no, they don't understand you. You know, you are this, you are that. It's important that you're 10 times smarter, 10 times faster, 10 times. You know, it was always drilled into me, those things. But I also had a tremendous sense of self. And I think I was just born with that. And because my grandmother was such a big part of my life and she was, I always say my grandmother uh, put a blessing on my life when I was in the womb that I was going to be this person, that I was going to um, be someone who was going to be seen and heard regardless. And a big part of that comes from not from me wanting to really be the one that's out there. It's from the idea that I have made these connections in such a way from people who are saying, thank you for saying that because I couldn't say that myself, or I shared what you said because you said it better than I could have said it. And really I've had so many experiences and, you know, I've had that type of adversity, especially when I was very young and I didn't understand it the way that I understand it now that I needed, you know, I could have used that representation and I've been given this opportunity for whatever reason, you know, there are so many beautiful, brilliant black women out there who could take my place tomorrow, 
But for some reason, this is my seat today. And while it is my seat, I am going to take ownership and responsibility for that seat and make sure that I don't use that seat in vain. And therefore, I am not necessarily speaking for myself. I'm trying to be the vessel for those who need me to say the things that I do. Man, that was so beautiful. Yes. Racial identity could be like a whole nother topic. Another problem I have, Mm. I have tried to almost like guard my daughter. Like I don't want, she's very, (laughs) she's very anxious. I have no idea where she gets it from, (laughs) but she's very like worried about things. And I'm always like, my, my, it's fine. Everything's fine. Like calm down. I cannot put another thing on this sweet girl's mind. And anytime I have someone that's in an interracial relationship on my podcast, I'm like, how do you broach the subject? And everybody's like, as soon as they bring it up, but what are they, or they have questions, you tackle it. I'm like, well, that's the thing. She's six. And just recently, this is the first time I've talked to somebody where she's actually said something. She wasn't saying anything. And I said, if I bring up, you know, your like her racial identity, what is she? And it's a new thought to stress about because she's not even seeing it. My sister's kids are blonde hair, blue eyes. My husband's family is where we live now in the South. And she sees her black cousins all the time. Never once has she been like, you know what? (laughs) I don't look like this side or this side. It's never come up. So Mm -hmm. me bringing it up is going to put something else on her. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, you have to, because you have to be the one to tell her the first time. Cause you don't want someone on the playground to point it out. Like, and her to not be prepared to be like, if somebody's like, what are you? I said, if somebody asked Amaya, what is she? She'd be like a girl. She wouldn't have a clue how to answer that question. So then I was yeah. like, okay, I haven't prepared her. So still like being a baby about it. I'm not saying anything the other night. I haven't even told the story. We're going to bed. And my, I'm like rubbing her back as I put her to bed and my son's a little girl in my son's class got in an accident and like, she was fine. But Amaya is like taking that on. She's like, how is Shiloh? Is Shiloh? Okay. I was like, yes, we prayed for Shiloh. I was like, we'll say our prayers for Shiloh rubbing her back. Like 10 minutes later, she's like, does Shiloh, does Shiloh, is Shiloh like you? And I was like, Hmm. <laughs> she's like, is she, does she look like you? And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, here we go. And she said, is she beige? And I was like, huh? Like, where did she get that word? And I was like, yeah, she's beige like me. And I was like, what other colors are there? And she's like, brown. And I was like, yeah, who's brown? And she's like, Nana. And I was like, yeah, who else is brown? Daddy. Yeah, perfect. So I'm like, I'm rubbing her back. And I was like, and what are you? And I'm just like sitting there like, we've never had the conversation. She's sick. She goes, brown and beige. And I was like, yeah, you're brown and beige. I came down, I was like, hey, Marcus. Just had the racial identity conversation for me. Drink. I was like, that was easy because she was like, I'm brown and beige. And I was like, that's right, babe. Like, and then I remember another woman, uh, a black woman that was married to, married to a white man. And she's like, when I told my daughter she was five and I made it like, I'm, um, I'm black husband's white. You get to be both like you get to be both. And she was like, I do. And she's like, she was so pumped. Like she went to school and was telling everyone I'm black and white. And I was like, I love it. Like you get to be. So I took that moment. I was like, yeah, you get to be beige (laughs) wherever she got beige, beige and Brown. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, that is so cool. Like I'm only beige. Daddy's only Brown. You get to be beige and Brown. And it was a perfect, like, she, she loved it. She, we haven't talked about it since. And I feel like it's out there. And I was so worried about this conversation. She's like, is she beige? Like you who's Brown daddy, (laughs) Nana, I'm beige and Brown. I was like, Oh, well, there you go. 
maybe she just knew and she didn't bring it up. Cause she was like, well, obviously I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. Cool. No other questions. And, but everybody's like, you have to tackle it early. And my son has not, he's three. He thinks he's a T-Rex. So like, obviously <laughs> race has not been like brought up, but we in DC, like three other friends of mine are in interracial marriages. They were always around like a diverse group of kids. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm overthinking it. And they're not even like question, like everybody looks different. And well, you know, they're closer to the generation where everyone's yeah. going to be a little mix. of something. Yes. But so like, how would not... you like, if you think about having kids at one point, like, have you ever thought about like the racial identity conversation? I know you have your nieces. Are they all like, is anybody like mixed race that like you've yes, had to I like, have, okay, uh... how do you hand, like, how did you handle that? You know, I have two nieces who are mixed race. One is a baby baby. So she and then the other one is like um, she is more like your son. Like she's like a T-Rex. Um, <laughs> she's not stressing it. No. She's just going to be a dinosaur. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. It's I have so funny because I have a niece and a nephew who both of their parents are black and they're actually fairer than mm -hmm. <laughs> It's confusing. Yeah. And you're like, well, so you are, but it's, yeah. They think of it like crayons. Like they're like, wait, cause I remember somebody says somebody was black and she's like, look, she says Brown. And I'm like, she's literally beige. Like she's literally yeah. thinking of the color. I was like, not white. I'm of not like course. a white piece of paper, but she's got it. I don't know who told her that word. I didn't get, I didn't tell her beige. I was scared to say anything, but it was like, she yeah. just was like, I'm both. <laughs> I'm beige and Brown. I was like, yeah. And then it was over. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I've been stressing, like, how do I bring So, you know, you're not, you don't look like this. You don't look like your cousins on this side and you don't look like this. Like she'd be like, what? Like something else, yeah. lay something else on me that I stress everything. And, but she was just like, I'm both. And I was like, yeah, awesome. That's great. Kids, though, you know, like, yes, I think it, it, that's just everything, especially if you're, you're obviously, you know, very cognizant of the idea of like, there is a level for every age that you speak to children, you know, like what they're yeah. able to comprehend. And if you listen, they will a lot of times just tell you what they're, <laughs> That's what happened. Like, they're telling you what they're picking up. <laughs> she told me what her racial identity was. Exactly. <laughs> she informed me and I'm just in there like, is Shiloh like you? I was like, what? Is she beige? And I was like, uh, yeah, she's beige. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what other color? Brown. Yep. I'm beige and brown. I'm like, we're done. Yep. <laughs> you're both. <laughs> it was awesome. I can now I was like, you're welcome. Wow. Marcus. I have had the conversation for both of us. You're welcome. And it was as easy as that. And it was something that I was stressing for so much. like of my mothering, uh, career, like, I don't know, maybe I just put too much pressure on myself. <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure oh. talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, 
my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.